Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Refreshing your soul. We've been in this series called Refreshing Your Soul, and what we're doing is for the month of June and July, We've been sitting in the Psalms is what I've been calling it. We're just taking June and July and just studying the book of Psalms. It's su- Psalms. It's such an incredible book of healing, an incredible book of, ref- uh, of freedom, a, a refreshing book, a res- restoration book. And so I've personally enjoyed it. I hope you have too. Uh, and today we're going to talk to you. I want to talk to you from Psalms chapter 121. Psalms chapter 121. Uh, this Psalm, uh, people don't necessarily know who wrote it. Some believe it was David, some believe it was someone else, but we do know this, that whoever wrote this was on a journey to Jerusalem, okay? And Jerusalem was 2,500, about 2,500 square, uh, not square feet, 2,500 feet above sea level. So it was up kind of in the hills. And so this person, whoever was traveling, was looking as they were in the valleys, looking up at the hills and the mountains to see Jerusalem. And that's kind of where we pick up in Psalms chapter 121 and verse 1. If you'd like to pull it up for me, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so he's, he's on this journey and he's saying, I lift up my eyes and I'm wondering, where's my help come from? Where, where is it that I, who, do we, who or what do I look to for help? And he's showing us, you know, we have to be a people that look to the Lord, look to the Lord for help. He says it, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And here's the thing that we all must understand, no matter how long we've been Christians, whether for a day or not at all, or for our lifetime, we all are a people that need God's help. In every situation of our lives, we need God's help. We need God's help relationally with people. We need God's help with how to follow him. We need, God, we need God's help with our spouses and how we treat them. We need our help and uh, God's help in how we raise our children. We need our, God's help in how we influence our schools and how we be a light to those at work. And we need God's help in every area. And so he's saying, I'm looking and I'm looking. Who do I look to? And he says, I look up and I, my help comes from the Lord. I look to the Lord for help. Pride will say that we don't need any help. Pride will say I've been a Christian long enough. Pride will say I'm good where I'm at. Pride will say I got my own skills. I can take care of life. I got it. That's what pride says. But humility, it's such an incredible picture of humility right here. And it's so simple. He says, I I look to the Lord because he is my help. I know I need him in all areas. Then in verse three, I love it. In verse three, it says says that uh, he will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber. He indeed uh, watches over Israel. He will neither slumber. He neither slumbers or sleeps. He, he's a God that he says, listen, I look to him. And then he says, he is my help. And then I love it. As I look to him, now God looks out for me. I look to him and now God looks out for me. Now what he's doing, how does he look out for me? How does he help me? It's such an abstract thought. Oh, yeah, God helps me. And I love it. He gives us a picture of how God helps us. He says he keeps my feet from slipping. He, he, he keeps my feet from slipping off the path and what he's called me to. All through the scripture, we see word, scriptures on, on men and, and that are writing the scripture that says, hey, you got to stand firm in your faith. you got to stand firm, be bold and strong. It's about standing all through the scripture. 
And so how does the Lord help us? One of the ways he helps us, how do we, when we look to him and he looks out for us, how does he look out for us? By helping us. How does he do that? By making sure we stand strong for him. Just recently, this past week, actually, uh, my daughter, who's two years old, uh, she has a little kiddie pool, and I have a kiddie pool, I think, in the back. Uh, we have a little kiddie pool, and uh, yeah, here it is. Okay, we have a little kiddie pool. Okay, here's a kiddie pool. Here's my illustration. Now, our, our kiddie pool is a little bigger than this, but for the sake of the illustration, the whole stage can't be taken up by a kiddie pool. But, and so hey, it was this kiddie pool, and, and we put it down. We fill, I filled it up with water this week, and uh, my daughter's playing it. She's splashing. She's doing her little wobbles in the pool. She's doing all her stuff, and she's loving life. I'm outside the pool hanging out, and she starts, she starts patting the, the water, and she says, sit, 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 sit. Well, immediately I say, honey, I just want you to know daddy's too big for the pool. She says, sit, sit, sit. I say, honey, daddy is too big for the pool. Sit, sit, splash in the water. Sit, sit. She's trying to get me to sit. I say, honey, daddy is too big for the pool. Ashley starts laughing. I said, what's so funny? She said, it's funny because all of us know, including your two-year-old, that you are not too big for that pool. She really knows how, to, knows how to make me feel like a man. She knows how to build up my spirit. Come on, gentlemen, you know what I'm saying? Your wife knows how to just tear you down, you know what I'm saying? Just makes you feel like you can feel so big and strong. No, sir, no, sir. She says, you can fit in there. I said, fine. I go, I get my little swim trunks on, you know what I'm saying? I, I go, I the big swim trunks, okay? I go get my... <laughs> I didn't say that in first service. That just came to me. They're extra large. They're touching my ankles. It's okay. <laughs> I should be offended that y'all laugh so much at my. I said, man, okay. I get my tr swim trunks on. I come outside, and I'm in a hurry because she's like screaming, "Sit, sit, sit, sit!" She knows that she, Dad's gonna come and sit in the pool. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know when's the last time you've been in a kiddie pool or opened a kiddie pool or blew up a kiddie pool, but there are all kind of hazard warnings on kiddie pools. I mean, there are, all, I mean, ridiculous amounts of hazard warnings. I'm talking about like it's, there's choking hazards, there's drowning hazards, all kinds of hazards. Here's one hazard. If you read through it, I've never seen. There's no hazard on how slippery the inside of those, those kiddie pools are. So I'm in a hurry. I, I jump. I, I got to put my trunks on. I run out. I jump in the pool. As soon as I jump in the pool, first foot that hits the pool, yeet. And I hit the ground. I hit the ground. And here's the thing. The pool is, is so small. Most of the time you slip in a pool, you fall into the pool. I slipped into the pool, and in the pool, and knees and up were outside of the pool on the ground. And I'm screaming. I'm in pain. My back, my knees, my legs. Ah, the first thing I could think to say is I yelled at Ashley. I said, I told you I'm too big for this pool. But here's what's interesting. I think sometimes God sets me up knowing that I'm gonna be talking about things and he just allows things to happen to me. But I'm on the ground and here's the thing. I'm, I'm in the pool as far as my feet, but everything is, I, because I slipped, everything else is outside the pool. And this is what the scripture is talking about here when he says, okay, you keep my feet from slipping. What happens is all through the world, everything that the enemy brings to us, he tries to attack us with, is to try to get us to slip outside of standing where God wants us to stand. 
And so what happens is if we're not careful, just from life, just from circumstances, just from human nature, we can slip and end up being outside of where God wants us, all because we weren't really asking him for help, because he is the only one that can secure our feet. We can't do it on our own. He helps us stand. And all through the scripture, it talks about this. I want to show it to you. I want to show you different ways that he helps us stand today. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, Through him we have, been, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we, in which we, we have received this grace we, by faith uh, in which we stand. See, we stand in grace. God helps us stand in grace. See, here's what's interesting. The, the baby, Winter, she knew I can, you can be around the pool and not be in the pool. And if you're not in the pool, you're not, you're not having access and you're not, in, you're not doing the things that, that you should be doing within the pool. You can be around it. You can talk about it. You can sound good doing it. You can cheer people on that are in the pool. You can maybe, you can maybe say it looks good, but you have to get into the pool in order to swim around and be in the water. Here's the thing that's interesting. Oftentimes, we don't realize, but this is the exact same thing with grace. Oftentimes, we can come to church and we hear about grace. We can go to our small groups and we can go to people and be around people and they're talking about their walk and their relationship with Jesus and how they've given their lives to him. Our parents, for those that maybe young people, your parents may serve Jesus and you've been forced to come to church and, and so now what we're doing is we're, we know about grace, but are we in grace? We have to make grace personal or it means nothing. It has to be personal for us. And that's why the Bible says that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Lord, we're saved. It's unearned. It's unearned. It's not something we've done. It's not something we can do. It's not something that we can get to. We have to be able to stand and know it's a personal relationship with him. It's a grace that he has given us. And it has to be in grace, not around grace. Now, here's the thing about slipping. God wants to help us stand in grace, but it's so oftentimes human nature, it's so easy for us to slip into works. The Bible says, if you want to read it in Ro after Romans chapter 5, it's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. For, by grace. This is not for yourselves. It is a gift from, from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Human nature says, I got to get right. I gotta fix some things and then I can get into the grace. I gotta make sure that I'm cleaned up and I'm feeling good and then I can get into grace. But grace says, no, you get in and as you're in grace, he is the one that cleans us. He's the one that frees us. He's the one that restores us. He's the one that forgives us. It's so easy as Christians, for those that have been Christians for a while, it's so easy to allow ourselves to get outside of grace by just starting to use works to get by. Now it becomes about my knowledge. Now it becomes about, well, I know all these scriptures, so I'm a good Christian. Now it becomes, a, oh, well, I go to church all the time, or I, I, I lead a small group, or I go to a small group. Or now it's about you know, how many Bible verses I know, and it becomes all about works. All those things are great. Church is great. Bible verses are great. Memorizing Bible verses is great. Uh, small groups are great. All those things are great. But it, if it is what's leading us, and if it is what we lean on and not on him, and we think that because of what we're doing makes us good, we are so off, it's not even funny. It's what, it's what he did that makes us good. 
Everything else, the small groups, church, leading, all these things, Bible verses, it's all an overflow from being in his grace. We understand how much he loves us. And so now we say, okay, we don't have to slip out and start having to have all these works to feel like God, we're good enough or that God can be proud of me or that God loves me. No, I understand. I have a grace, even though I don't deserve it, he loves me and he's proud of me. It's so important that we understand this. We stand in grace. The scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you. I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received in which you stand. We stand in the gospel. We stand in the gospel. He says, I remind you of the gospel in which I preach, which I preach to you, in which you stand. We stand in the gospel. What is the gospel? That's a churchy word maybe for those that don't know. And it, it, Here's what it is. The gospel is just the good news that Jesus came. He died on a cross. He rose again so that we can receive this grace that we're talking about. It's the good news. It's the gospel. But here's the thing. The gospel doesn't just stop at he came, he rose, he died again. The gospel also, I want to show it to you in John chapter 14 and verse 6. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. The gospel isn't just that Jesus came to save. The gospel is that he is the only one that can save. It's through him. It says no one can come to the Father except through me. And so here's what it is. I understand. I stand in the gospel meaning this. I know that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So I give my life to him because I understand that. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came. He died. He rose again. But he didn't die, rose again, and give us 12 other options. He died and rose again and said, this is the way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And it's easy if we're not careful when we stand in the gospel. If we're not careful, we get into our own flesh or we get into situations in our own life and we can, or someone we may know or culture may say or a family member and we can quickly or easily slip out of the gospel into our own beliefs. And here's what happens. The gospel is the, 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 the doctrine of Christianity. Now, here's, here's what happens. If we're not careful, we can slip out of that and we can try to create our own belief system based on what we feel or what someone else feels because of the way that they want to live their lives or we want to live our lives. We'll try to justify why we, li we are living this way. And so we create a system of beliefs that will help us feel justified and not convicted. And we have to be careful because this is where our culture is. The Bible says in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There'll come a time, this is Paul speaking to Timothy thousands of years ago. He said, there'll come a time where people will not want to hear sound doctrine. They will not want to hear Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They will not want to hear sound doctrine. Here's what they'll want to hear. They'll want to find people that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear, meaning they'll find people that will tell them how you're living is just fine. What you're doing is A-OK. -okay. You're going to be just, God loves you. He, he, he cares for you. You're all good. And that's true. God does love you. But what can happen is the enemy can distort just a little bit and cause us to slip into our own books. Well, if God loves me, then he obviously, I can live how I want because that's how, he, that's, that's how he's made me or that's, that's who I am. No, that's not the case at all. Here's what it is. We stand on the gospel. The gospel is he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that saves. He has given us a grace. And so we stand on that 
that, not in our own beliefs. And if we're not careful, hear me, if we're not careful, we can allow culture and the concepts of culture to get into our walk with Christianity because of the way someone else is thinking things. And it can cause us to then start to create this, this doctrine that is nothing to do with what Jesus said. It's interesting because we're a culture, the society, we know that the Bible says that Jesus in Christ, there is no condemnation. And so what we have done is we've blurred the lines between conviction and condemnation. We've blurred the lines, and so because we don't want to feel guilty about something, we don't want to be convicted, we'll call it condemnation. But that's not the case at all. Conviction, here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation says, I'm not good enough, or you're not good enough. Condemnation says, you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, I'll never be good enough. Conviction is, you're better than this, I'm better than this. The situation you're walking through, the Holy Spirit will convict us in sometimes at what we walk through because he wants to convict us. Why? Because he knows we're better than what it is of the, the, that we're doing or the decisions that we're making. And so we have to be careful because we can get caught up in thinking, oh, well, I, there's no condemnation, so I can live how I want. No, just because there's no condemnation doesn't mean there's no conviction. The Holy Spirit is here to help us to walk out and follow Jesus in obedience. And sometimes there's going to be conviction in that. And we should welcome that. Why? Because if we welcome that, we understand I'm following Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, and I'm standing in that. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Be on guard, stand firm in, your fa in the faith, be courageous and be strong. The writer in Psalms 21 is saying, I look up and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He's looking out for me. He's my help. Well, how does he help me? He helps me stand. And how does he help me stand? He helps me stand in the gospel and he helps me stand in grace. But also the scripture says right here, he helps me stand firm in faith. To truly trust, to stand firm in my faith and truly believing him and trusting him with my life. Uh, what happens if we're not careful, we can slip into, and our culture definitely can, and we've seen this over the past few years, we can quickly slip into fear and anxiety. Because we see what's going on in the world, or because we, someone tells us something, or because we get a negative report, or we can quickly slip into the fear and the anxiety of what the world has to offer, and that's not faith. Faith is, I'm going to trust you, God. Why? Because I understand I'm standing on faith. Even when I see it, and it doesn't look good. Even when I see it and it's not the way that I want, God, I understand I'm standing in faith. Why? Because I'm trusting you that even though it may not be good, you are. You're good. And so, God, the relationship situation that I've been waiting on, it ain't too good. I've been real single for a real long time, and people are starting to think I'm getting weird. God, you know I'm not weird. It's not looking good. Well, no, God, I'm going to have faith and trust that your ways are better than my ways. And so even though it may not feel good, I know you're good. We're not just going to sing a song, you are good, good. Whoa. And then just walk out and think, man, life is just terrible because, man, God, where are you? No, God, I understand. I'm singing it to remind myself in my spirit. I'm standing in faith that you are good. Make sense? Let's keep on. We're just talking about the different ways that he helps us stand. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Therefore, stand fast in liberty, in freedom. We stand in freedom. God helps us stand in freedom. Can I just encourage you? I just want to help you out. I just want to let you know. God desires for you to live a, a life free from hurt, from bitterness, from past 
relationship uh, traumas. He wants you to live uh, free from lust. He wants you to live free from addiction. God wants us to live a life of freedom. God's given us, through his son, the ability to live a life of freedom. But here's what happens so oftentimes because we feel the hurt and we feel the pain. It's so easy to slip into instead of saying, okay, instead of saying I'm going to stand on freedom, here's what happens. I start to, be, I start to get back enslaved into whatever that hurt or that, that sin is in my life. I'm not saying hurt is sin. Sin's different. But we can be, we can be trapped by slipping to being trapped back by that hurt because of the pain that we feel. And God wants us to know that he, he, we, he desires for us to live in freedom. And not because, he doesn't want you to live in freedom because he wants you to be a goody good. It's not, okay, well, I gotta get free because he wants me free so I can be a better Christian. That's not why he wants us free. He wants us free because he knows the, 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 the turmoil in our soul from not being free. He knows the turmoil in our soul from the pain and the hurt of that past relationship. He knows the pain and the hurt from that past situation that you walked through. He knows the, 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 the turmoil from the lust and you continue to go back and forth, back and forth. He knows the turmoil. So here's what it is. He's a good God. So he wants you to walk and wants me to walk, all of us to walk in freedom from those things so that your soul can be healthy. And only by his grace and only by his strength can we live on this planet a life of freedom. We stand in freedom. He's a God that cares so much about us that he would literally do his best. He would send the Holy Spirit to help us walk and live a life of freedom from whatever it is in your life that may be holding you back from really being the person you know that God wants you to be or that you want to be. We stand in freedom. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. No, excuse me. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We stand in unity. He says we, that you would stand in one spirit. Stand in unity. You know, oftentimes, humans, it's just human nature. We all want to stand for unity. You're not going to probably find somebody, very rarely, you're going to go up to somebody and you say, hey, do you stand for unity? And they're going to be like, no, division, division, division. Ah. Most of the time, people, they desire to stand in unity. Why? Because I believe this because unity is the greatest force on this planet. And we say a force, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's not a force. The Holy Spirit's a person. The greatest force, when, two, when we gather as, as people, as humans, and we all are under the same mind, same spirit for the same purpose, there's nothing greater as far as that can be, make change and things happen when people gather and they're in one mind. One. Do you agree or not? Yes. I'm glad you agree because I agree as well. And so here's what happens. We oftentimes want to stand for unity, but here's the thing. It doesn't say stand for unity. It says in one spirit, to stand in unity. See, unity isn't just we're locking arms. Because at some point when you're locking arms, you're going to go home. Locking arms is great, but when you go home, what's your heart and your attitude towards the situation? What's your, what's your mouth saying about someone? See, because we can, we can be all for unity, 
But if we're not standing in unity, here's what happens. The purpose in which God has called us to is gonna lack. That's why it says in all, in one spirit, in one mind. Another translation says for, for, for the purpose, for a great purpose, at the very end of the scripture, if you wanna go back to that scripture right there in 27, 127, it says at the very end, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The purpose is to strive for the faith of the gospel, to allow people to see and hear the gospel of Jesus and the good news of Jesus. And so here's what happens. If we're not careful, because we get caught up in, oh, well, so-and-so said this about me or so-and-so said that about me. And so now there's this division and we can easily slip into division because next thing you know, we're, we're hurt because someone said something or did something. And again, the enemy tries always, the enemy always tries to create division and not unity. Why? Because he knows when people get together in unity, it's, it's hard for him to stop in the name of Jesus, unity in Jesus, not just unity in as far as period. We get in unity in the name of Jesus. It's very hard for the enemy to stop. So he tries to create division between one, of, one another, each one of us. We talk about it all the time. We talk about racism all the time. Y'all know my heart on racism. If you're new, racism, I believe, is just completely evil. It's a sin. It's from the devil. There's no question about it. But also, I think there are other types of things that are evil that create division. I think gossip is evil. I think gospel, gossip is absolutely evil. There's not many things that will demotivate you to really be in unity with people than hearing someone gossiped about you. Just because you can stand with them and they can stand with you doesn't mean you're standing for unity. Or when you leave and that person has done something or said something about you and made you mad, when you leave and you say something behind closed doors about them, that's causing division. Well, no one's heard it. It doesn't matter. You're, it's a spirit behind it. You're creating division when you're not willing to speak well of people. Gossip is one of the most evil things that will create division in, our, in the church, in the body of Christ. And again, I'm not saying you're gossiping. I don't know, but I do know this. Gossip's evil. And so I would say this. When we, when we say we stand in unity, am I speaking well of people? And not only am I speaking well with people, what's my heart towards those people? What's my, what's my attitude towards them? Not just in front of them. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, I love you, brother. Yeah, man, I'm praying for you. Man, I'll be praying for you, man. I tell you, and you get home, you're like, man, you know what so-and-so just told me? Mm, I can't believe what so-and-so, it's creating division. And so I would just challenge you, and I'll continue to challenge myself. If someone wrongs me, or someone wrongs you? How am I responding to that? Because if I respond wrongly and begin to gossip, here's what I'm doing. I'm affecting the purpose and what God has called us to. And the purpose is more important than my feelings. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> Praise God, man. Great job, Jordan. Keep going. Keep going. Thank you. <laughs> we got to stand in unity. Philippians chapter four and verse one, therefore my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. John chapter 15 and verse four, it says abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that he is it, it, he it is, excuse me, that bears much fruit. For apart from you, apart from me, excuse me, you can do nothing. He says, Abide in me. And then at the end he says, And apart from me, you can do nothing. Standing in the Lord. 
What does that look like? It looks like walking with him daily. Standing in the Lord in relationship with him and walking with him, but remaining in him, abiding in him. Why? Because we know apart from him, we can do nothing. Human nature, it's so easy that we can slip. Just like I did on that pool, we can slip. And what can happen is we can end up slipping into the concept of just an apathetic relationship with him. We can start to use our experience or our time with him. For those that are churchgoers, I'm going to talk to the churchgoers for a minute. If you're not a churchgoer, you get a free pass today. But for those, the churchgoers, it's easy for us to slip into, well, you know, uh, what we know about God can carry us in our relationship with him. And everybody around us looks like we're doing a good job and we're feeling good. But it's my personal relationship with him that carries me, not my knowledge of him that carries me. And it's interesting because with winter, when I was in the pool, I would get in the pool and I would get out of the pool. I'd do some stuff. I'd get back in the pool and do some stuff. I was just back and forth doing stuff. Well, it was interesting what would happen because I was back and forth in and out. The grass that was on my feet from going in and out was ending up in the pool. Towards the end of it, it didn't look like a pool. It looked like a, it didn't look like a kiddie pool. It looked like a kiddie swamp. You know what I'm saying? There was grass everywhere. Here's what's interesting. This is oftentimes how our relationship with him looks. We bring it, we have this relationship, but we've brought Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday into Sunday, and we think, well, Sunday's gonna clean me up. No, all I've done is I've, I've had it over here, and I'm just trying to bring it over here and try to make sense of it and try to make it work. No, see, God doesn't want us just to have a Sunday morning or a Tuesday afternoon, evening relationship. He wants a walk with us, and from that, as we walk with him and stand with him now, the things of this world won't be on us and that we drag into our relationship with him. Does that make sense? But here's what we do. I'm standing here. You are good. Good. Wow. You are good. Good. Wow. On Sunday. Then Monday comes. The first person talks to you to agitate you, and you're like, ooh, I'm going to tell you something right now. You, you close your little office door, you close your dorm room, whoever, where you close, and you're just like, I'm a tight. And you're like, ooh, I hope somebody opens that door. Ooh, just let, just let one person knock on that door. Ooh, let one person call me. Ooh, I wish somebody would call me right now. Ooh, I just, oh, I, I'm ready, I'm ready. You are good, good, wow. And Tuesday comes and you've had a hard day at work and you get home and your wife says, hey, fellas, your wife says, hey, we need to sit down and we need to talk. Oh, we're going to talk. Oh, we're oh, we, oh, we going to talk right now. Oh, you want to talk? Oh, we're going to talk. You are good, good, wow. Then Wednesday comes and you're hanging out with your friends and next thing you know, your friend's like, hey, they got this party tonight. You are good, good, wow. And you know what? You know what? I guess I'll just go to the party. It's no big deal. Next thing you know, you're shaking it like you never made it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like you, we're not even gonna go there. You know what I'm saying? You're going up in a place that's so dark, you can't even see it. The devil can't even see it. It's so dark up in there. I'm going to keep my mouth shut for a minute. And, oh, I'm just being light. No, you ain't. That ain't no light. Here's what we do. We're in and out. 
running out. Our relationship with him. Then we're coming over here. Next thing you know, now it's this, this, this tension of where we're almost jumping back in with God and out with God. And that's never the intent and in how God desires for us to be. He desires to be in relationship with us daily, that he would walk with us on Monday morning, that he would not allow us to get to the place in our hearts. We need his help so that we don't explode like we normally would in our own selves. But what happens is we slip and get outside of that and outside of the relationship. Next thing you know, we're responding the way that we never thought we would or we should or that we want, he wants us to or that we want to. It's remaining in him. And from remaining in him, it's not just about, oh, I don't want to blow up because I don't want to mess up my witness. Yes, we don't want to mess up our witness, but I don't want to blow up. Why? Because y'all know when someone agitates you, your whole day can be ruined. Somebody can say one thing about you. And now for 24 hours, me personally, it's like three days. I'm still processing, wondering, and I'm just, I'm in a funk. Why? All because I've allowed what someone else said or did to affect my soul. So God knows this, and he says, hey, I want you to remain in me. Stand in the Lord. Abide in me. Why? Because there is life, and apart from that, you can't do anything. We need his help. Oh, my goodness, do we need his help. Scripture says, uh, look up to the hills and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord and he helps us stand firm in all these different ways. Lastly, as I close today in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, you're for us who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Psalmist writes, I look up to the hills. He's on this journey. So I look up to the hills and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. How do you help me? You, you help me by not allowing my feet to slip. You help me stand. You help me stand in grace. You help me stand in the gospel. You help me stand in unity. You help me stand in the Lord but also here he says, we stand in the will of God. He helps us stand in his will. Oftentimes Christians, when we talk about the will of God, especially young people, this concept of, well, what's the will of God for my life? I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people and saying, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. And I want to know what his will is. I'm trying to find his will. I want to make sure that I'm in his will. And that's all great. It's a great heart. But it's almost like this concept of his will is this like this destination or, or this, this destiny that we have in the future. And so I'm looking ahead and I just want to make sure I'm, I'm in his will so I can, I, so I can reach this destiny. And, and let me just encourage you or challenge you or whatever. Like the will of God is not some future destination. The will of God is obedience in the present. His will is just following him every step of our lives. Choosing to walk in obedience to him every day, every moment. So when we stand in his way, will, this is what we're doing. We're saying we're standing, choosing to walk in obedience with him, meaning this. See, what can happen is we can get in the concept of I'm standing in his will, but next thing you know, God, you know what? I'm in your will, but God, you're taking too long. And I've been praying for a while. So next thing you know, we slip and we start trying to do it in our own strength. 
We start to find, try to find the relationships in our own strength. We start to, to try to, to create the business partners on our own. We try to, you know, people say, you got to be at the right place at the right time. Like, you got to make sure you're at the right place at the right time. Like, I don't believe in that. Why? Because I believe in a God that if he wants me to be in the right place at the right time, if I obey him and walk with him, he's going to put me in the right place at the right time. I don't have to try to navigate relationships and make all these different connections and do all these different things and post all these videos to get into the will of God. No, the will of God is I walk in obedience and then God, as I follow you, you're gonna take care of me. It looks like the will of God walking in obedience. It looks like for those of us that are married, it looks like us treating our spouses the way that he desires for us to. Loving them the way that he's called us to. Not the way that we feel. Because sometimes you ain't feeling it and you want to just be on your, to yourself or you just want to take care of you and they're not treating you the way that you want to be treated and so you want to respond the same way. That's not his will. His will is I'm going to walk in obedience, choosing to follow him, treating them the way that he's asked me or commanded me to, to love them as he loves me. For those that are single in the room, it means saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm loving God in a way that I'm remaining pure. I'm not going to step outside the boundaries in what he's called me to. Why? Even though I may want a relationship, I'm not going to go there. Why? Because it's what he's asked me or commanded me to do. That's remaining in his will, standing in his will. It's obedience. It's not this abstract future of what may happen. No, it's literally today I'm choosing to obey what he's asked me to do. I'm choosing to walk in obedience to his word. I'm choosing to follow him every day of my life. These are seven different things. I'm closing. Seven different things that we can quickly and easily and oftentimes slip into. Oh my gosh, do we need his help? Oh my goodness, do we need his help? Without his help, Here's where we are. I just want to remind you of them. If without his help, we're going to slip into works, trying to do and get salvation on our own. If without his help, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get getting caught up in, in the gospel, uh, uh, our own beliefs and creating our own gospel. Without his help, we're going to slip into fear and anxiety. Without his help, we're going to have division and hate towards one another. Without his help, we're going to get apathetic in our relationship, bouncing back and forth and not really being committed to him and not being healthy in our soul. Without his help, we're going to slip into our own way of living and our own way of thinking that leads to destruction. And so, oh, my, do we need his help. Every moment, I love the old hymn, I need you, oh, I need you. Every, I, what an incredible verse, words that this person wrote. Every hour, I need you. It's not I need you in moments of when I'm struggling. It's not I need you in moments when I'm feeling good. It's not I need you in moments when I don't know what's happening. No, God, every moment of my life, I need you. Because in my own strength, in my own flesh, I'm going to slip. And you ain't going to end up doing what I did in that kiddie pool. You're going to break a hip. I didn't break my hip, thank God. That would have been terrible. But you're going to slipping and falling, causing more harm 
than good. I had good intentions, but I created more harm than good when I slipped. We can oftentimes have good intentions, but if it's in our own strength, we slip and it causes more harm in ourselves or someone else than good. Let's be a people like this psalmist. We say we need help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray today? Father, I thank